your purpose in mind. Um, Daniel invites God to come to earth for, for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth and that things on earth would be done by the kingdom of heaven and God responds to this prayer. Help us to see his example as we also learn um, the importance of history in this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes. So if you hold your finger there, you don't have to go back there, but in your notes, this is 539 to 538 B.C. And if you remember when we studied Daniel chapter 5 and Daniel chapter 6, when we're looking at Daniel's life, and now we're looking at his prophecy, Daniel chapter 9 is written, it is realized, the same year as Daniel 5 and Daniel chapter 6. So in Daniel's three prophecies of the kingdoms that would rule the world, the takeover happens in 539 B.C. of the Medo-Persians. So... When we think of the context of that, the handwriting on the wall, which is whose hand? Jesus's. It can only be Jesus's hand that is writing this mean, mean, tikil person, which is the declaration of God that Babylon and its rule is finished. Belshazzar and its king is finished. And the Medo-Persians are going to be taking over. That's what the handwriting on the wall is telling Belshazzar. That happens in the same year as Daniel chapter 9. We go right into Daniel chapter 6 from Darius taking over the kingdom from Belshazzar, Darius the Mede of the Medo-Persian Empire, and we go right into Daniel and the lion's den. So when we think of that in the context of Daniel chapter 9 and the 77s, Daniel's prayers are what he was accused of and convicted of in Daniel chapter 6, and he is thrown into the lion's den. The result of that is we see the repentance and the conversion of a second king over Daniel, Darius. Darius sends out a declaration that Daniel's God is the only God and I declare to every nation in the world that he is the God of gods and he is sovereign over everything. And shortly after that, or about the same time, Daniel gets a letter in the mail from Jeremiah and he responds by praying, which is Daniel chapter 9. So as Daniel would pray three times a day, this is what he would have been praying one of those times. This is what he was convicted of and thrown into the lion's den. And we realize that the result of this prayer is Gabriel coming to earth, prophecy from Moses being fulfilled, and the clock starts ticking for the return or for the first coming of Jesus Christ. So as a result of the prophecies that we will study next week from this chapter, Daniel tells us that from the signing of the decree in Nehemiah chapter 2 until Jesus rides in on Palm Sunday will be 483 years to the day. 483 of 490 years. 490 years God will accomplish everything he will ever accomplish in relationship to sin, righteousness, and prophecy and all of those things. 490 years, so 483 leaves seven years. 
Daniel says the clock will start ticking again when the Antichrist makes a treaty with the Jews, and then it will be exactly seven years until Jesus Christ returns to earth at the end of the tribulation. But let's start where we start here in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1. In the first year of Darius, um, which is he takes the throne at the end of Daniel chapter 5, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. So we saw that happen literally in the last two verses of Daniel chapter 5. And we're being told here that it is in that first year of his reign, which is what Daniel 6 is with the lion's den, verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures. This is an important apologetics point. There are a lot of them in these verses. I understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. So Daniel tells us several things here. He tells us that when, Dan, that when Jeremiah puts his quill to the papyrus, it's scripture. He knows that a prophet who began before him and is still alive and is the only prophet left in Jerusalem is writing scripture. And he tells us here that he realizes through Jeremiah that the desolation of Jerusalem, the people being there captive in Babylon, is going to last 70 years. So he says, as a result of that, I put on sackcloth and ashes, and I bow down before God. So let's look at the history of what is happening here. Go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. As we read through this prayer, Daniel himself is going to tell us that he is going back to the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The, most of the prophecies that conclude all the way through the Bible in Revelation have their birthplace in the book of Deuteronomy. So we won't read all of Deuteronomy chapter 4, but we will pick it up. This is 900 years before what we are reading in Daniel chapter 9. What has happened in 900 years? They go into the promised land. They have a time period of the judges. They say they want a king. They appoint a king. They have two kingdoms. One is taken captive, 10 of the tribes in 722 B.C. and 605 B.C., the second kingdom, Judah, the one that Jesus would descend through, is taken captive. So in that time period, we go all the way back to Moses, where they've just come out of Egypt. They have no leaders. They haven't even gotten into the promised land yet. And God takes Moses aside and gives him the, the entire history in advance. And he tells them, you're going you're gonna to go into the land, you're going to say you want a king, you're going to promise that you're going to obey me, you're going to start to worship idols, you're going to ignore my Sabbaths, I'm going to destroy Jerusalem as a result, and I'm going to send you into captivity in Babylon. 
And the people say, no, we will always do what the Lord says. And everything that Moses wrote down came true. And Moses says, beginning in verse 25 of chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 25, after, and, and let's, let's just look at what, if you look in the, the obedience that's commanded at the beginning of the chapter and the idolatry being for, forbidden, remember the first two commands have to do with idolatry and the Ten Commandments. Verse 23, be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. After you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, and you then become corrupt and make any kind of idol, they were worshiping idols profusely when they were taken into captivity bowing down, sacrificing their children, burning cakes to Tammuz, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God and arousing his anger. I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive, Daniel being one of them, among the nation to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone. Remember in Daniel chapter 3, every person from Judah did this except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he is prophesying it here that they will in fact bow down to these gods. Verse 29 is an important verse. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Daniel probably has all of this memorized. And he is waiting. He is praying. He is pouring out his heart. And he doesn't know from Moses in Deuteronomy 4.29, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you look at the headings in Deuteronomy chapter, beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 28 in your Bible, um, we read, at the beginning of chapter 28, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow his commands, I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. And then there is a list through verse 14 of the blessings that will come if they're obedient. The curses start being listed in verse 15 all the way through the chapter, and you see it's a very long chapter. Then he talks about the renewal of the covenant in chapter 29, and he talks about um, turning back to the Lord in chapter 30, and we pick it up in verse 1. This is all a prophecy of what is happening in Babylon and what leads up to it. When all these blessings and curses I have set before you come on you and you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations, 
And when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, that's the second time we've heard that, according to everything I have commanded you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from the nations where he scattered you. Again, Daniel is exceedingly familiar with all of this and he's wondering in Babylon after 60 some years, when will this happen? Verse four, even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate you and persecute you. You will again obey the Lord and follow his commands I am giving you today. Then the Lord your God will give then the Lord your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops in your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous just as he delighted in your ancestors. If you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law and turn to the Lord. What's another way to say that? Repent to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So that's about the third or fourth time. Turning to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. That begins way back in Deuteronomy 4. We read it multiple times here. Um, it is interesting that um, as, as the dispensations progress, that everything God gave to Abraham is exactly what he was to give him. When Moses writes the law, he takes nothing away from what God gave to Abraham, and he adds the law. When Paul comes along, he takes nothing away from Abraham, Romans 4. He takes nothing away from Moses, Romans 10. So the verse that we are most familiar with in the gospel as believers in the church age is that you must confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Mo or Paul is preaching from Deuteronomy 30. So if we back up from verse 9, you can look at this on your own time, but if you read verses 5 through 8 in Romans chapter 10, he is basically quoting from Deuteronomy. So we look at verse 11 here. This is Paul's preaching in Romans 10. Now what I, command, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, 
The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart so that you can obey it. That's Romans 10, 8. The next verse Paul says is, therefore declare with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. He has to add to Moses because Moses is preaching from a pre-resurrection position. So Paul just continues with the law to say, here's how you obey him now. Confess him as Lord. That's what he's asking them to do. Return to the Lord. Obey his commands. Make him sovereign. Um, That's what Paul is preaching there. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 25. Remember we read in the opening verses of Daniel 9, in response to the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah. So Daniel and Ezekiel are prisoners in, or they're captives in Babylon, while Jeremiah is a prophet who is the only prophet left in Jerusalem. His obedience and his faithfulness to him is even recognized by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar knows that Jeremiah represents the God of heaven. So when he takes everyone in Jerusalem captive, like Daniel, he says to Jeremiah, you can, you can live wherever you want. You can come to Babylon. You can stay here. You can go wherever you want. So Jeremiah is writing in Jerusalem, a completely destroyed city, Book of Lamentations, and Daniel is in Babylon. So in Jeremiah chapter 5, or yeah, Jeremiah chapter 25, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 25, the word of the Lord came to, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah concerning the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. This is, he is writing Jeremiah 25 in the first year that Daniel is in Babylon. So this is probably the year 604, and it is because of the way they established kings in Babylon. This is 604 B.C. that he is writing Jeremiah chapter 25. Daniel is in captivity. He has been emasculated. They're trying to brainwash him. He refuses. He is resolved to follow his God. And Jeremiah is writing this chapter. Um, If we went to Daniel, we would see that um, Ezekiel will show up in the next passage that we read. But this is right after Daniel's captivity, right after um, this happens, Jeremiah is still in Jerusalem writing. Verse 2, So Jeremiah the prophet said to all the people of Judah and to all those living in Jerusalem, For 23 years, so if we go backwards, we read this here, from the 13th year of Josiah. So Jeremiah becomes a prophet when the most faithful king in the history of Judah is their king. So if we go back to this point in Josiah's 
reign, Daniel, or Daniel, Jeremiah begins to write the book of Jeremiah, and he becomes to be the voice of God in Jerusalem. Before Ezekiel begins writing, before Daniel begins writing, during the reign of Josiah, Jeremiah begins to write the word of the Lord. So reading on, verse 3, For 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, son of Ammon, the king of Judah, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. And though the Lord has sent his servants, the prophets, to you again and again, people like Isaiah, you have not listened or paid any attention. They said, turn now again, repent, each of you from your evil ways and your evil practices, and you can stay in the land the Lord gave to you and your ancestors forever and ever. Do not follow other gods he is carrying forward. We're now up to 900 years later from, or 850 years later from Moses. Jeremiah is writing the same things, but he's going to carry it forward. Verse 6, do not follow other gods or serve or worship them. Do not arouse my anger. Why? Moses said, because he's a jealous God. With what your hands have made, then I will not harm you. But you did not listen to me, declares the Lord. And you have aroused my anger with what your hands have made. You have, and you have brought harm to yourselves. Therefore, the Lord Almighty says this, because you have not listened to my words. I will summon all the peoples of the north and my what? Servant, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, even before he repented, knew that he was serving God. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and, and of scorn and an everlasting ruin. I will banish from them the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, the sound of millstones, and the light of the lamp. This whole country will become desolate, waste, a desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. He is writing this while Daniel is in Babylon. Daniel is apparently unaware that Jeremiah 25 has been written. He is unaware that from the first year he was there, God spoke through Jeremiah that it would be 70 years. In Daniel chapter 9, he's in year 68 of the 70 years. This here is being written in year one. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter 29, which is what Daniel actually received in the mail before Daniel chapter nine. This is the year of the text of a letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and the priests, the prophets, 
and all the people Nebuchadnezzar carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So he is writing what we know as the book of Jeremiah. And while he is writing the book of Jeremiah, he is telling us at the heading of chapter 29, this chapter is actually a letter that I sent to Babylon. So he sent it to Ezekiel and Daniel in Babylon, along with the priests, people like Ezra, that are in Babylon at this time. So Ezra and Ezekiel and Daniel would have become familiar with what is written here because not only is he writing in Jerusalem, but he sends this letter to Daniel and Ezekiel and Ezra. Verse 2, this was after King Jehoiakim, doesn't say how long, but after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. So this is injected here. He is telling us, remember, there are three waves of captivities. 605 B.C., which is right before he writes Jeremiah chapter 25. The largest group of exiles that were taken were taken with Jehoiakim in 597 B.C. So Jeremiah is saying after that wave was taken to Babylon, which included Ezekiel, Jehoiakim is considered by God the most wicked king. He reigns a very short time. He is so wicked that Jeremiah will tell us later in the book of Jeremiah that God says from heaven, no king, no descendant of this man will sit on my throne. Wait a minute. You promised David hundreds of years ago that his line would go all the way to Christ. And in Jeremiah, he tells us that this Jehoiakim severed the line. So something amazing happens when we get to the birth of Christ is that in Matthew, we see this genealogy that goes through Jehoiakim to Christ, which is actually severed. And it goes from David to his son with Bathsheba named Solomon. And then we go to the Gospel of Luke. And it looks a lot different. Mary is descended from David. And Joseph is descended from David. Joseph comes through Jehoiakim. His line goes through Jehoiakim. And Mary's goes around it and heals it. So Bathsheba and David have four sons. One of them is Solomon. One of them is Nathan. So God promised David that the line will come from David, but it had to go through Mary to be healed because Mary is a descendant of David's other son, Nathan. That's just kind of a side story here, but what is happening with this point is that, okay, God is telling me they need to know in Babylon that it's going to be 70 years. So after Ezekiel is in Babylon with Daniel, 
he sits down to write this letter. If we would go to Ezekiel, we would connect the dots and see that verse 2 is 597 B.C. because that's the year that Ezekiel was taken to Babylon. So he would talk about Jehoiakim there. Verse 3, he entrusted the letter to Elisha, son of Shaphan. And I'm a Bible geek, so this is really cool to me because Josiah is the first king to discover the book of the law since Solomon. And he repents and he cleanses everything in Jerusalem, everything in Judah. Israel's been in captivity for 200 years and he goes up there and cleanses them too, or about 100 years. Shaphan is the secretary who finds the law and reads it to Josiah. His son, Elisha, is the one who reads this letter to Daniel and delivers it to Babylon. So this Shaphan has four sons, and, and if you study the history of them, they take really important letters at really critical times. And here we see that the son of the person who found the book of the law for Josiah is Elisha. And we read verse 3, he entrusted the letter to Elisha, son of Shaphan, and to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah. Hilkiah is the priest, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from, Babel, from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. It's very similar to Egypt. Verse 7, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty says, the God of Israel. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you, exchange, you, you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Now, in this letter, this is the first time Daniel hears this. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise from Deuteronomy to bring you back to this place. Now, here's a verse that we've applied to the church, and you hope you will understand today that all Scripture is for us, but not all Scripture is to us. This is specifically to Daniel and the exiles, verse 11. For I know my plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, you will seek me and find me when you seek me, here it is again, with all your heart. 
I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So here's the letter that Daniel is receiving, that Ezekiel and Ezra are receiving in Babylon, that here's a history of what happened since you were taken into exile. The history of your exile will conclude at 70 years, for my plans are to prosper you, not to harm you, to bring you back here, to, to give you a hope and a future, to bring you back to Jerusalem. And I'm going to bring you back if from there you seek me with all your heart and all your soul, which is 900 years earlier in Deuteronomy, but now Daniel is get a new revelation, 70 years. So we go back to, um, actually turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 36. Understand from a Jewish Bible, from a Jewish perspective, Moses are the first things in the beginning of their Bible, just like they are ours. Jeremiah is a prophet in real time in between um, 550 and, or 650 and 550 B.C. So we go from 900 years before Daniel to months before Daniel chapter 9. When we come into 2 Chronicles chapter 36, we are reading the last chapter in a Jewish Bible. So in the Old Testament or in the Torah for the Jews, they have all the Old Testament that we have, but the end of their Bible is 2 Chronicles chapter 36, um, not Malachi like it is for ours, for example. So when we're reading this, we're reading what we're studying onto the end of the Old Testament for a Jew. So when we pick it up in verse 17, in the middle of the verse here, where it says, pick it up where you find the word God, God gave them all into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. So probably Ezra is writing this, giving us a history of what happened in Babylon. Verse 18, he carried to Babylon all the articles of the temple of God, that was 586 B.C., both large and small, and the treasurers of the Lord's temple and the treasurers of the king and his officials. They set fire to God's temple and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. He carried into exile to Babylon the remnant who escaped from the sword, including Daniel and Ezra and Ezekiel, and they became servants to him and his successors until the kingdom of Persia came to power. That's Darius and Cyrus. Verse 21. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rest all the time of its desolation. It rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment with the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. So they're cast according to Moses. You're going to be thrown into exile for two reasons. 
you're going to worship idols, you're going to ignore my Sabbath. So every seven years, the land was to lay silent. So we think of seven times seven. So here we have 70 times seven, which is the 77s that we'll look at later. But the same 77s backwards is every seventh year, the land is not to be harvested or farmed. He says to them in, through Moses, in the sixth year, I will give you enough for three years. And you are to let the land rest and you will have plenty to go through the sixth, seventh, and eighth year. They never did that. Seventy times they never did that. So the reason they're in Babylon 70 years is so the land will have 70 years of rest that they never gave it on their own and because they worshiped idols. So let's go back to Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9, we come into this prayer, verse 4. And as I said, this is a prayer that each of us should consider praying for ourselves in America at some point this week. So Daniel's version, before it's written of, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, is beginning here. Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him, and keep his commandments. What do we always begin with? Praise. Now he goes right into repentance. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away, repentance in reverse, from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where we, you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, we and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he has given us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, we looked at a small sample of them. There's 117 verses just in one section. In the law of Moses, the servant of God have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the heaven, under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, 
All this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning or repenting from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster on us. The Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have obeyed him. So if you review the verses we've read so far, this chapter opens, giving us the year, the first year of Darius. I learned from the scriptures. He receives Jeremiah chapter 29 in the mail. He already knows everything Moses has written. And Jeremiah says 70 years. Daniel looks at the calendars. He says, I've got two years to pray. Because Moses repeatedly says, and Jeremiah says, if from there you seek me with all your heart and with all your soul, I will respond, I will bring you back, because my plan has always been to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope, to give you a future, to represent me. But you have to be there 70 years, because those 70 Sabbaths are gone, and I'm going to give them back, because you wouldn't give them to me. So Daniel gets on his knees, probably bows with his face to the ground with dust and burlap would be the closest that we have all over his body, as humbly as he can. We have sinned. We have disobeyed you. We have, I have, our kings have, our, our ancestors have, our princes have. We have ignored you. We have disobeyed you. We've turned away from you. We've not turned towards you. You are righteous in everything you do. He is just pouring his heart out before God. Hold your finger there and go to Leviticus chapter 26, because this is not just in Deuteronomy. We're just going to read some of these verses. Leviticus chapter 26. When you read through Leviticus, we just finished it in our Bible reading. Um, you don't realize the extent and that Daniel is tied into Leviticus and, and all of these things. Um, Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 14. He is prophesying again similarly here to Deuteronomy. But if you will not listen to me and carry out my can commands, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out my commands, and so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will bring on you sudden terror, wasting di diseases and fever. These are all the curses that Daniel is writing about. And will destroy your sight and sap your strength. You will plant seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you like Nebuchadnezzar, will rule over you, and you will flee even when no one is pursuing you. If, all that, if after all this you will not listen to me, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. I will break down your stubborn pride and make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze. Your strength will be spent in vain because your soil will not yield its crops, nor will the trees of your land yield their fruit. You will remain hostile, if you will remain hostile to me and refuse to listen to me, do you see how many chances 
they actually have. I will multiply your affliction seven times over as your sins deserve. I will send wild animals against you and they will rob you of your children, destroy your cattle and make you so few in number that your roads will be deserted. If in spite of all these things you do not accept my correction but continue to be hostile towards me, I myself will be hostile towards you and will afflict you for your sins seven times over. And I will bring the sword on you and avenge the breaking of the covenant. With When you withdraw into your cities, I will send a plague among you. This happened, you can read it um, in Jeremiah. And you will be given into the enemy's hands. Obviously we're studying that. When I cut off your supply of bread, ten women will be able to bake your bread in one oven and they will dole out the bread by weight. You will eat, but you will not be satisfied. If in spite of this you still do not listen to me, but continue to be hostile toward me, then my anger, then in my anger I will be hostile towards you, and I myself will punish you for your sins seven times over. You will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. There, there's a scene in Jeremiah, a, a literal scene where a woman comes with another woman and this little boy and they come up to this wicked King Jehoiakim and they say, make a decision for us, make a decision for us. What do you want? Well, yesterday we ate my son and now she won't let me eat hers. Imagine that scene, the reality of that. It is a prophecy given to Moses being fulfilled. And understand, we're reading part of it. If you still won't listen, you still won't listen, you still won't listen, you still won't listen, then you're going to eat your own children. And they say after all of this, we will listen to everything you say. And then they ignore the Sabbaths, and they build their idols, and they worship false gods, and they burn their children to Molech. And by that time, this is what we are reading. Verse 30, I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, and pile your dead bodies on the, life, on the lifeless forms of your idols. And I will abhor you. I will turn your cities into ruins and lay waste your sanctuaries. And I will take no delight in the pleasing aroma of your offerings. I myself will lay waste the land so that your enemies who live there will be appalled. I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste and your cities will lie in ruins. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath rest all the time that it lies desolate and you are in the country of your enemies then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbath rest. All the time that it lies desolate, the, li the land will have rest, the rest I did not have during the Sabbath you lived in it. Daniel would have known this without knowing that that's how long we're going to be in Babylon. But it was already written by Moses. Moses says here by God, I'm going to get my rest back. It's 
So Daniel could have calculated how many seventh years were ignored. Um, it is God's plan that Jeremiah would inform Daniel as we go back to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel 9, verse 14. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. He is reflecting back on Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28, 29, and 30. Verse 15. Now the Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned and done wrong. Now he's going to turn to God with his requests. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill, our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. That's exactly what Moses said that we read earlier. Verse 17, Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and here, open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. How often do we pray like that? Paul tells us to pray in, in his will and his, his way and for his purpose. Daniel's like, for your purpose, for your sanctuary, for your name, not because we're righteous. He is not asking anything for himself. He is pleading with God for God's name to be restored on earth. That's what we should pray for the United States of America. As a result of this prayer, we won't study this, but this is where we'll begin next week, verse 20. While I was still speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel the man I had seen in the earlier vision came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring ever in everlasting righteousness, 
and to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this. From the time that the word goes out to restore Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens, 483 years from Artaxerxes' decree to the day Jesus rode in. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in a time of trouble. After the 62 sevens, after he rides in on a donkey, the anointed one, what's another word for that? Messiah in Hebrew or Christ in the Greek means anointed one. The anointed one will be put to death and have nothing, Isaiah 53. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. This is where Jesus is preaching from in um, Matthew 24, Matthew 25, Mark 13, and Luke 21. This is his, where his sermon is coming from. Verse 27. He, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, offering, and this is what Jesus quotes, and at his temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Heavenly Father, thank you for primarily Daniel's example in prayer today. Daniel wouldn't pray, Lord, fix the politics in America. Daniel wouldn't pray, Lord, bless us, because we deserve it. Daniel would say, Lord, you gave us the full, completed gospel. We formed a country, and now we have sinned. We have turned against you. We have turned against your son, and we have turned against your word. Lord, hear us. Lord, forgive us. Lord, for your sake, bring about repentance in me and my church, my town, my country, so that the name of your Son will be known more than it is today. In Jesus' name, amen.